This is a Flashpoint Extra. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. Hey, everybody. I have an amazing interview for you. It's a Flashpoint exclusive. Imagine a convicted drug dealer being in the running to become a legal drug dealer. Well, that's the story of Tracy Syfax. He is CEO of Fax Group Construction. He was the first black business owner to be named Entrepreneur of the Year by the Princeton Chamber of Commerce. He was also honored by the Obama White House. He's also an author and educator helping ex-offenders become entrepreneurs. But in his youth, Tracy was known as inmate number 226926. He was a drug user and a drug dealer and did years in prison for a slew of drug-related crimes. But the author of From the Block to the Boardroom changed his life when he was released from prison and rose to become one of the most influential African-Americans. Or how about this? One of the most influential people. In the state of New Jersey, he recently put in a bid to get a license to open a medical marijuana facility in his hometown, the city of Trenton. Guys, listen to this fascinating one-on-one exclusive interview with the barrier-breaking Tracy Syfax. Tracy, welcome back to the KYW Studios. Thanks a lot, and thanks for having me this morning. So you are extremely excited. Tell everybody what you're excited about. Well, we're extremely excited. Um, We're in Philly today. Like I said, we came down to uh, meet with our attorneys. Um, We're submitting an application with the state of New Jersey to become the first African-American-owned cannabis manufacturing and distribution center in central New Jersey. Um, We have a new mayor um, that was recently elected about a Mm -hmm. month and a half ago in the Mm -hmm. city of Trenton, New Jersey. Um, He made a statement on his stump and on his trail that he wanted Trenton to be the cannabis capital of New Jersey. Mm. And we're going to help him fulfill that. Um, we believe that if we can bring jobs to our community, which we're talking over 100-something jobs um, to, the, to, the, to the Trenton community, we believe that we can make a difference in not only in the lives of the residents there through jobs and opportunity, but the community itself. Yeah, now talk back it up a little bit because you, you created a partnership uh, with another company that puts you in a really good position um, to be able to snag this this in New Jersey. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, it's so many things. You just don't get things done, you know, on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have partners. You have to have folks who expertise are in certain things and um, make sure everybody stays in their lane. Um, we have great partners and um, Sea Hunter and some of our other partners that have helped make up our um, senior management team. Um, as I stated earlier, Trenton Metro, um, with me being the president of that organization, um, the nine senior management positions all five of those positions are held by African-Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually three of them are right from the city of Trenton, including myself. So we have a serious connection to the roots in the city of Trenton. Um, we have a team that believes in the city of Trenton. And we're looking to do some great things in the city that I was raised in and I now reside in. Yeah. And what would that do? I mean, tell, talk about these jobs in the cannabis industry. And, mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about how, the, how you know, just the drug game has mm-hmm. impacted communities of color. Oh, absolutely. But the way that... These things are being set up these days. It doesn't seem like a lot of people of color are benefiting from Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Um, and that's the reason why we wanted to get in. Yeah. Um, we wanted to be sure um, that, that, that we have representation in this industry. Um, so when we look at the, the cannabis industry, we're talking about 15, 17 hour an hour jobs, which, you know, is decent pay. Um, in the state of New Jersey, is not that great. Yeah. Um, so what we wanted to do. And, you know, everybody is hollering about jobs, jobs, jobs. What we wanted to do and what I've been able to convince my partners to do 
is let's take it a step further. Let's let's not offer jobs in a community. If we're going to come into a community mm-hmm. and we're going to develop that community and commerce is going to be centered around um, this distribution plant that we're putting together, then the activities in that neighborhood, whether it's from the delis to the gas stations to the mom and pop stops, we want to make sure that the residents there have ownership. So we also created an entrepreneurship training program. So the spinoff of the cannabis industry, and as you know, it costs millions to get into this business, but the spinoff of the, the commerce that's going to surround this business, we want to make sure that the residents have ownership in that. So we're going to actually teach people how to own businesses in their communities. Yeah, and um, and so what's interesting, you know, here is that there's not many people of color who are in the cannabis industry right now. Mm-hmm. And why do you think that is? Well, it, it takes a lot to get into the cannabis. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of work. I mean, we've been working on this for a while now. It, it, it takes a lot, and it takes money. It takes capital. You have to be, you know, very um, highly capitalized um, to get into this industry, and that's why I'm saying you cannot – do it alone. You have to have partners that, that will work with you and those who will um, support what you're looking to do. So, you know, getting into this and having the opportunity to bring others in and getting into it now um, on the medical side, I think it really sets the stage for us moving forward in the years to come because we don't want to look back on this um, 10, 15 years from now and wonder what happened and wonder why African-American and minorities was not included in this boom. So we decided to get in because of that reason. Yeah, and I, uh, Tito Jackson of, of Boston, Massachusetts, uh, former Boston City c- Councilor. Um, he is the CEO of Verdant Medical Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of your partners here. Absolutely, and you know Tito's a great guy. Me and Tito um, share some almost the uh, same story. Um, he came from a tough background, grew up in Boston, um, became a councilman, was about to run for mayor actually. Um, when he decided not to run for political office again and decided to enter the cannabis industry. And um, he's been, he's younger than me, but he's been a mentor to me in this Mm -hmm. industry. And um, Tito is doing some great stuff in Boston. And what we're looking to do uh, with that model that he was able to create in the Boston community, uh, we want to bring that same model to Trenton and enhance it with the entrepreneurship training and everything else we're going to offer. Yeah, because um, people who don't know, I mean, Tracy has been honored by the White House. Uh, for the work that he does in training people, um, ex ex offenders, people Absolutely. who have spent time in prison, formerly incarcerated folks, training folks to own their own business, and Absolutely. you've been able to teach people to be highly successful. Absolutely, we just kicked off a um, pilot program in Washington D.C. last Monday. Mm-hmm. We, we went into the D.C. Department of Correction to begin teaching um, folks inside the jail how to start and run their own business. So, I believe in the power of entrepreneurship. Yeah. I believe that you know the twenty three year career that I've had in business. Um, has enabled me to do some some amazing stuff, not just in New Jersey, but throughout the country. And I just want to be sure that we're giving all our, our folks in our neighborhoods those opportunities because in our neighborhood chair, we're not telling our kids to grow up and be business owners. We tell yeah. them to go to school, get go a to job. college, get a job, go to school, go to college, get a job. We're not teaching them to be owners. Um, so this is the reason why, you know, whether it's six or seven graders in the Trenton Public Schools mm-hmm. or, or, or people that are incarcerated in the D.C. jail, I believe in, in spreading the power of entrepreneurship to the young, to the old, to the formerly incarcerated, to those who have never been incarcerated. Yeah, and what excites me about this is because you did time Absolutely. for selling drugs. Absolutely. So just when I thought I was out, <laughs> they pulled me back in. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's crazy because now, you know, cannabis is being legalized mm-hmm. across the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, medical is now accepted in, mm-hmm. in many states. Mm-hmm. Recreational is becoming, is being eyeballed 
um, because of the revenue stream. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the opportunity that, that comes with that. So who's in better position to sell drugs than a drug, former drug dealer? Um, I believe um, when I got into entrepreneur, when I started my first business 23 years ago, uh, my experience was 17 years in the streets, yeah. 17 years um, of selling drugs, using drugs. And I believe that same 17 years experience, and I always tell people, I combine that with my 23 years in business. <laughs> I tell people all the time, I got 40 years experience. I don't know how you add it up, but I know how yeah. I add it up. I add up those 17 years that I spent in the streets and the 23 years that I spent in business as my business experience because I learned a lot when I was in the street. I knew about product. I knew about um, customers. I knew about organization. I knew about sales. I knew about marketing. I knew all those things when I was in the street. And this is a transferable skill. So being able to take those same skills and transfer them over to the business world, I believe for myself and what has made me very successful is that those are transferable skills. Those are skills that I still use today because I tell people all the time, I've, I've met more crooks in the boardroom than I ever met on a block. And my skills from the block gives me discernment to be able to sit across the table from anyone and know what someone's going to run a game on me or not. Yeah, and, and what's so crazy, I mean... I just, I mean, people of color have spent so much time in prison for drugs. Mm. And now that these, you know, cannabis, which people classify as the drugs mm. and on the federal, you know, drug list is mm-hmm. considered to be, you know, that's, that's been, a, yeah. Absolutely. And so you think about that. Black people have spent so much time in prisons because of drugs and, and have been shut out of this cannabis industry. And you are trying to kick Kick a door. We're in. not. We're going to kick the door in, and, and and we're going to leave the door open because it's not just enough just for us to get in yeah. and do good. Um, mm-hmm. We have to be sure that those who have been affected by these laws, mm-hmm. and um, nobody knows this issue, you know, better than myself. I've mm-hmm. been an advocate for this for a number of years, um, but we believe that once we're in, we have to get in and then create the opportunities for those who have been affected by the failed war on drugs to be able to benefit from what's going on now. And I think that's only the right thing to do. And I think one of the great things about the state of New Jersey is that even though we have medical, we're still writing a law on recreational use. And it hasn't been approved yet, but we're writing the laws to make sure that it benefits those who are formerly incarcerated and formerly affected by, by, by marijuana laws. So I think that's very important. I think we must keep the focus on that. Um, so once again, that's why reason why I'm in. I can be a voice for the mm-hmm. voiceless. And, um, and folks know me. They know where I've come from. I've never, ever forgotten where I've come from. I still live in the city of Trenton. My office is located on Martin Luther King Boulevard, um, just like any other Martin Luther King Boulevard across the country. So my connection is still with my community, and I believe that with this opportunity and this industry, that it gives me the opportunity to provide jobs and opportunities for that community. Yeah, and and what I like about you, Tracy, is that, you know, you're not— you have no shame in the sense that you've taken everything, all the adversity, things that people would normally say, oh, this is a strike, and turned it into a positive. Oh, no, nah, no. Nah. Well, you get three strikes. So, <laughs> so yeah, we have a couple of them. But the fact, <laughs> but the fact that matters is that, um, yeah, I think that um, when you look at these opportunities and being able to say, okay, I've made mistakes in my life. I've done wrong. And I tell people all the time when you're coming home from prison, be honest. Yeah. You know, I was able to get the my honesty. I was, able to, I was able to get my first job, Sherry, um, by being honest with my first boss and telling him where I've come from. I was just out of jail, told him that I didn't want to go back. I explained to him that I needed the opportunity. I needed the job. And he gave me that opportunity. And I took that job and, and worked for him for two and a half years and then quit and started my first business two mm-hmm. and a half years later. So, 
you know, being honest, being upfront. And since I've been in business, I've always talked about where I've come from because I can't hide it. Yeah. You know, I mean, with the day of the Google and Internet, anybody could see that I was a former drug dealer. So it's not something that you can really run away from in this um, age of but information. But you're not just technology. a normal former drug dealer, though. I mean, can, 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 let's just, you know, you, you're like, yeah, drug dealer, now going to be selling drugs. <laughs> but, but you're not the normal... You know, former drug dealer, though. Well, I mean, keep know, it at 100, well, Tracy. Well, but see, when you, when I mean, you, you talk look, about... Look at the out, you're not the yeah, normal... Yeah, but, but nah, you know. nah, because I know, I know plenty of other guys throughout this country that I've met. Um, and I'll just throw a couple of names out there. Chef Jeff Henderson, who spent five years in prison for selling drugs. Um, number one best-selling book, Cook. Yeah, yeah. Speaking all over the country on Oprah Winfrey. You know, he's a former. You know what I mean? So I know so many people that are doing good things in this space, so... My story is not that odd. If we really search, those folks are out there. No, and it's true. And I mean, I do think that a lot of the, some of the some of the best minds are behind bars. Oh, absolutely. And I it's just you oh, know, yeah. oh yeah, you know, you idle. You don't have that. <laughs> if you if you take that same you know ingenuity and, and apply it to something that is legal, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, ba- <laughs> listen, very creative. Some of the most um, creative people. And see, when you're in prison, you have to be creative because mm. you have to survive. You yeah. have to be able to say, okay. This food is in the mess hall is not good. I got to find something to hook up. I can't wash my clothes properly because they don't use the proper detergent. I got to find a way to do this on my own. All those things you learn. Probably some inventions going on. In listen, it, people listen. <laughs> I, I can tell you some stories about hookups and, and things inventions that we did. Inventions behind oh, the wall, baby. Listen, yeah. listen. And I, I know some guys, um, you know, holiday cards. I know some guys behind bars that will make you a holiday card better than Hallmark's. Because they're so talented. Yeah. So, you know, this is not something unusual. We have some of the most talented folks just wasting away in prisons all across this country. And I just really believe that when we look at where we are in the age of mass incarceration and where we are, you know, in America, when we look at our economy, you know, we're losing skilled workers. It's hard to find skilled workers as Mm -hmm. employers. Mm -hmm. I've talked to a few business owners about finding skilled workers. And, you know, we keep overlooking the the ex-offender, the returning citizens and population that's a population that we need to look at because they can be some of your best employees. I was my employer's best employee. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, those looking over folks because they have, you know, a blemish on their background, you know, as employees, we have to stop that. Yeah, because and people grow and evolve. People yes. grow and evolve. And honestly, I feel like a lot of people have done a lot of shady stuff and maybe oh, they just think they get caught. caught. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, they uh, like, thank the Lord. Oh, I didn't. Oh, 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 there by the grace of God go I. You <laughs> exactly. know what I mean? Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, and when we talk about the 70 million people in the United States um, with some type of criminal background um, issue or criminal background record, you know, with 300 something million people, that's a lot of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? But those are the folks that got caught. Yeah, you know, when you add in and the folks in certain that communities are over policed, and so those communities are more likely to get caught. And you add that up, and it's uh, just yeah. Uh, it, we have the age of mass incarceration and what we have today, but you know we're going to continue to um, to do work in that area as yep. an advocate to really reduce uh, mass incarceration and. And this just is another extension of how we do that, providing opportunities for our community. Yeah, and so the uh, the the company is called is it Sea Hunter Therapeutics? Um, sea Hunter Therapeutics is our partners. Our company in Trenton is called Trenton Metro. Trenton Metro LLC. Mm-hmm. And so, tell me the next steps. Explain, you know, you you the application um, being the, filed. Yes, the and, application. And what's the next step? The application will be filed um, this afternoon. Actually, probably in a couple more hours, my attorney will be coming here to Philly actually to pick up the package, go back to um, New Jersey. And we're hoping by um, 2 o'clock, 2.30, the application will be delivered to the state. Um, once it's delivered to the state, and, and of course, we have 
we don't know how many advocates there are. We know it's a lot of advocates, um, but we believe we are the black-owned firm in the state of New Jersey, and we're looking to become the first black-owned firm in the state of New Jersey to run a cannabis operation there. So we believe we have the best application. We believe we put stuff in there um, that's going to benefit our community. So once the application goes in, it's 30 days after that, we should know something. Um, but, you know, I, I'm confident. I'm confident that we put together a package that's going to be awarded a license here in the state of New Jersey. Wonderful. And so now I know that the, the mayor of Trenton is fully supportive of Absolutely. this effort, wrote a letter saying, look, we will we are going to be, uh, you know, um, it's, uh, introducing an ordinance mm-hmm. um, in the fall. You know, uh, just actually, a few this weeks. Tuesday. After this, this week. Tuesday, he will introduce an ordinance to our city council. Um, this Tuesday, I've been around um, talking and lobbying and talking to folks and, and just letting them know the benefits of approving something like this and, and what it what means for the community. You know, we've had discussions. You know, I've had, you know, one of our council folks, I ain't going to name, but, you know, started talking about the disproportionate number of African-Americans that are affected by drug laws. And I understand that concept and I understand what they're talking about. I just need people to understand that medical cannabis is not that issue. Um, that's an issue that's a state and federal issue that we will deal with when recreation comes and deal with when we have opportunity to deal with it. But right now, this is medical cannabis. It affects our veterans. It affects our cancer patients. Mm-hmm. And in, in Trenton, New Jersey, um, the nearest medical cannabis facility for our patients is almost an hour drive away. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a veteran or a cancer patient, you have to almost drive an hour to get medicine. And, and you know, we want to bring that to the city of Trenton. We believe yeah. that. You know, our communities deserve it just like all other yeah. communities deserve yeah. it. Yeah, and my mother, she is a has a medical card. She mm-hmm. lives in Maryland, though, but mm-hmm. because of uh, eyesight issues, absolutely, you know, and absolutely, it, and it really, you know, we, no, the science is in. You well, know, it's coma, like climate control. It's, it's like it's like cli- yeah, 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 it's like climate control. You can't deny it. The science is in on medical, and um, it's going to be legal in, in all states pretty soon. And now I got to ask you because there's going to be folks who, you know, the headline is former, you know, convicted drug dealers you know, possibly mm-hmm. selling drugs legally now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're going to be like, well, he's, you know, he's an ex-felon. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah, this they, shouldn't, yeah, this, what yeah. world, why are you going to give him a chance to do this? <laughs> what, your reaction to that? Because, I mean, even, you know, if I pitch the story, I pitch the story and people are like, well, well that, that doesn't make any sense. The, yeah, the, the yeah, backlash yeah. from folks who don't no. follow the returning citizen community is always the same. Yeah, no, we, we, you know, we expect the backlash. We expect folks to um, say why. Um if I didn't have a record, just as a black man, they would say why. Um, so, you know, the fact of a matter of where I've come from, you know, and I've answered that. I've, I've made amends for uh, my lifestyle that I lived years ago. Um, as you know, in 2017, the governor of the state of New Jersey gave me my official pardon. So as it stands up today, I don't have a criminal record. And I move and operate <laughs> like I don't have a record. So you can say what you want to say, former this and former that. I was a former a lot of things. But right now, I don't have a criminal record. You know, I mean, my record is clean and it has allowed me to be able to pursue this opportunity and we're going to pursue it vigorously. Um, We believe that. So if you weren't pardoned, would you be able to do it? I wouldn't be able to head this company if I wasn't pardoned. Absolutely. I wouldn't be able to head it Um, because I have been pardoned. Now I can head it. And that's what we're going to do. Wonderful. And so, you know. For a lot of folks who come at home and they have started their companies and I mean, you were able to build the kind of capital that you can buy into something like mm-hmm. this because you own, you are an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and there's no limits on how much you can make. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do being when you serve as an example to a lot of the men and women coming home and they're building up their skills, they're trying to build their companies up and they have big, they have big dreams just like you have mm-hmm. big dreams. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I, you know, I, I can tell you what I shared with with with, with the um, MA population in D.C. last week is that, you know, when I went into D.C. jail last week, I spoke to, um, we had 23 people sign up. I mean, 30 people signed up for the class. We had a probably 23 present. Um, but what I told them is that when I leave that Department of Corrections, that I guaranteed that out of that 23, somebody or, or more was going to be starting a business by the time they get ready to get released from jail. And the fact of the matter is that how can I make that statement? I can make that statement because I know. Mm. You know what I mean? I told my partner when we went into the class, said, watch this, you're not going to need to tell them to take notes. They're going to come prepared to take notes. And they did. They came in the classroom prepared to take notes. These folks are hungry to learn. And we want to be able to teach them how to run and start their business. So if they have a desire to to make it in business, we have a program that's going to help them get there. And with me um, teaching that program and being present as someone who sat in that seat with that orange jumpsuit on, I give them that hope that they need that they can be that. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that hope. We have, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of folks coming home to families. And, uh, you know, they ha- they have the ability to go as high as they want. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always tell people, like, sky is not the limit, baby. Oh, no, it's not. There's it's a not. lot past the sky, okay? <laughs> well, you know, we came. There's a lot past the sky. Don't listen, forget that. No, listen, we, um, in 2011, as you know, I, I made history as the, um, the first African-American to be awarded Entrepreneur of the Year by the Princeton Chamber of Commerce. Never in their 51 years have they ever honored African-American, and definitely nobody that's with a background record like mine. Um, but the fact of the matter is that I like for people to tell me what I can't do. Mm. I don't think you got to do it. If you want me to do something, the only thing you got to do is tell me that I can't do it. And if you tell me that I can't do it, then it's my job to prove to you that I can do it. Yeah. So the cannabis industry, I'm not supposed to be here because of my record. The cannabis industry, I'm not supposed to be here because I'm an African-American male. But the fact of the matter is that as long as you keep telling me what I can't do, I'm going to prove to you what I can do. Yeah, you are a convicted man in more, in more than one way when you get a, a, a convicted in your mindset that Absolutely. when you decide that yeah. something's going to be, oh, it's going to be. No, no, it's going to be. And you get out there and you make it happen. So, no, nah, you know, you have to believe it in order to achieve it. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I believe that we can definitely do this. So we put things in motion to make it happen. Well, I cannot wait. And I appreciate this exclusive interview. And I cannot wait to um, till you get the, the license. Until you make it happen in New Jersey and pave the way and open the door for so many black entrepreneurs because this industry is booming. Absolutely. And 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 given the history, Mm -hmm. I feel like black folks ought to be able to benefit from this. So just think if if, you know, folks across the country, not just me as an African American male, but me as someone who was formerly convicted, um, to have the opportunity to head this company and be the first um, African-American and, and, and actually former returning citizen to actually run a cannabis business gives everybody, not just in New Jersey, not just in Pennsylvania, but throughout this country, um, the hope and, the, and, and that they need to know that they can also do that. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Tracy Suffolk. You are the bomb. Like uh, you just I mean, you need to teach a mind class, you know, <laughs> how to how to say yes in your mind. And oh, then, and no, then, you got to say you yes know, in your and mind. Then, and sort of bend reality around your will. So I want to say congratulations to you. I can't on, on getting the application file. Yeah, That's so step oh, one. Listen, that was a process and, in uh, itself. You know, you're going to be popping bottles when they say yes. yes so yes, so yes. thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate you having me on.
This has been a Flashpoint Extra. I hope you enjoyed this exclusive content. You can follow the show on Twitter. Our handle is Flashpoint Show. My handle is Cherry Gregg. Flashpoint airs on KYW News Radio 1060 AM on your radio dial every Saturday night at 9.30 and every Sunday morning at 8.30. You can also listen via live stream on KYWNewsRadio.com. And if those times don't work for you, check out the Flashpoint Podcast where you can hear exclusive full content by logging onto the radio.com app, the Apple Podcast app, or other platforms you use to get your podcasts. You simply have to search Flashpoint KYW. If there's an issue that gets you hot under the collar, let us know and we'll make it a show topic or Flashpoint Extra like the one you're listening to right now. Flashpoint family, I truly appreciate your support. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. Until next time, thanks for listening.